Our topic this week is out of the book of Genesis, chapter 4, the sin of Cain. All right, so what was the sin of Cain? Oh, a lot of things. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And all of those are right, but none of those are the sin of Cain. We could say, oh, it was offering the wrong sacrifice. We could say it was uh, anger. We could say it was murder. We could say it was lying. And all of those are true. Or motives of envy and jealousy and all of those things. And all of those are true. But there's something much deeper than all of those things, and that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. What is the real sin of Cain? Robbery? No. I mean, that's certainly right. Rob God and pride, all those things, yes, are certainly true. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 3, in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord, Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. So in previous weeks, we've looked at the offering of Abel, and we looked at why God accepted Abel, and he accepted Abel, and he accepted his offering, and we looked at why God did not accept Cain's offering, right? And so tonight, the focus is on why was Cain not respected, right? Because it says that God did not respect Cain and his offering, right? So two different things. And so tonight we're going to look at what was it, what was the real sin of Cain that was not respected? And that's going to be the focus. So if you missed the other sermons, it'll be available on shalomadventure.com, and you can catch those there. In verse 5, Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Why was Cain angry? Because he was rejected, because of jealousy, and all those are right, all those are right answers. But the real reason that he was angry, and even very angry, was because Cain was carnal. And it's very natural and very normal when we're in our carnal nature to get angry. To get angry when we don't get our way, to get angry when people don't accept us, we get angry when people don't look at us, don't smile at us, don't give to us, don't do for us. It's all about self, it's all about us. And when we don't get what we think we have coming to us, then we're a victim and then we are angry at other people. And that's, again, normal and natural. And so he was just living out the normal, natural state of someone born, as we all are since Adam and Eve sinned, with a carnal nature. And that is the real sin of Cain, that he was carnal. So his real sin was being a sinner. And then just acting out the, the natural results of being a sinner, which includes giving the wrong offering and getting angry and all the rest of it. You see, if, if, if we focus, in, and we just read that he did not offer, you know, it, it says he offered the, the, the fruit of, his, of, his, uh, of the ground, 
because uh, he was a tiller of the soil. And it doesn't mention first fruit, and some people will emphasize that. See, it doesn't say first fruit, and that was the problem. It wasn't first fruit. And that might have been. It might not have been, you know, maybe it was sour grapes, right? <laughs> maybe it was, you know, something that, you know, was, was uh, not the first fruit. That could be. Maybe it wasn't the best of his field. But if that's all we look on, we are missing the whole purpose of the gospel. We're missing the whole theme of the Bible. Because if that was all it was, then we would say, well, then all he had to do was go back and, and offer the right sacrifice. Go and, 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 and give the first fruit next time, right? And then he'll be accepted, right? Now, because then the problem was really just greed or selfishness or, or lazy or, or not wanting to give God the best because he wants to keep it for himself, you know, or whatever motives, right, that? So, so you just need to change a little behavior modification, and if it's just anger, well, then we just need to send them to an anger management class, right, you know, and, and just modify the anger and help them to learn to cope with the anger and beat a pillow instead, you know, or, you know, somehow express his anger in healthy ways, in, in, in good ways, right? But that's not the problem, right? The problem is the carnal nature. And the only solution to dealing with the carnal nature is repentance, and for repentance, we need a blood sacrifice, right? We need an atonement. We need a substitute. We need to die to self. The only solution for a carnal nature is killing it. <laughs> the only way to get rid of a carnal nature is to kill it, right? And the only way to kill it is by surrendering it to the Lord and accepting our death in his death. Right? And so prior to the Messiah coming physically on the earth, the way that was done was you took an animal, a clean animal, a lamb, and you confessed your sin to the Lord, and symbolically your sins transferred from you to the animal, and then the animal was killed in your place because your sins had transferred there, and so he takes the punishment, but you still had to die to self through confession and through repentance, and accepting our death and acknowledgement of our sinful nature and our sinful tendencies and our sinful desires and acknowledge them it's not good and acknowledging to the Lord that we don't want them. And we don't want to live those out anymore. We don't want to be jealous anymore. We don't want to be selfish anymore. We don't want to be proud anymore. We don't want to be angry anymore. We want to give those over to the Lord and we want them killed. We want them dead. We want them removed from us, placed on someone else, placed onto a lamb, and let him die in our place. All symbolic of what the Messiah would do, that he would come as the Lamb of God who was slain from the foundation of the world as far as God is concerned. And he takes our punishment, and not only just takes our punishment, but he takes the sin. He takes the carnal nature from us and took it into himself. And that is why God allowed him to die. That carnal nature that he took, killed him, killed God. He took ourselves into himself, and we died with him. And thus then we can be renewed with a new life and be recreated. And that's what Cain didn't want. Cain didn't want to go through that process. He didn't want to surrender self. He didn't want to surrender his independence. He wanted to surrender his way over God's way. And so he offered the wrong sacrifice.
And so even if it was not the first fruit sacrifice was the issue, he would still have to go through this process of repentance and confession and death to self in order to get rid of the greed or the selfishness or, or not wanting to offer the first fruits, whatever the motive was for not wanting to offer the first fruits. Even if that was the issue that day, as recorded in Genesis 4, he'd still have to offer a lamb sacrifice in order to get rid of those motives, <laughs> in order to be able to offer the first fruits. So again, the real issue still is missing a blood sacrifice. The whole principle of that, of surrender, confession, renewal, uh, replacement, uh, substitution, the Messiah. And really, that's not a whole lot different than today. The Jewish people today, for the most part, have not accepted Yeshua as the lamb, as the substitute, and so they're rejecting that ability to have their sins removed from them and given over them to, to die for them. There's no temple, there's no lamb sacrifices, so there's no more blood for the removal of the sins. And then there's a lot of Christians who, while professing to believe in the Messiah, but don't go through the process of confession and repentance, dying daily to self, they're just, well, oh, yeah, we believe in it. Oh, yeah, we believe. As if that in and of itself is enough. But what does it mean to believe? It means to believe that he died for my sins, that he took my sins, that he removed my sin, and not just the sin, the event that I did yesterday or whatever, but he took the sinful nature, that he took the sinful desires, that he took the sinful carnal um, nature that we are born with out of us, killed it, and placed it upon himself. And so many people today are walking around like Cain. Again, Cain wasn't an atheist. I mentioned that in weeks past. He came to God. He brought, built an altar. He brought an offering to God. He wasn't in denial that there was a God. But he wasn't willing to surrender. He wasn't willing to have death to self and a substitutionary atonement. And the majority of people today of course, the Hindus, the Buddhists, and all them, they don't have it either. They don't have the Messiah as that substitute, not willing to die to self. And in our, all of us, in our natural state, we're just like Cain. And the only reason that Abel was not like Cain was Abel offered the right sacrifice. And not just, again, the physical right sacrifice, but going through that whole process of confession repentance, and accepting the lamb as his substitute death in his place, and for the blood to be the cleansing. And that's what made him righteous. And so Cain didn't accept that, didn't want that, and thus he becomes angry. Verse 6, so the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, you will, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Wonderful promise. God's offering him here. You can rule over this anger. You can rule over this selfishness. You can rule over this pride. You can rule over all these issues that you have. You can rule over the carnal nature by having it removed and receiving a new nature, even a divine nature, the Holy Spirit, to come inside you and live inside you. Wonderful promise. 
Powerful promise. And what would it take for Cain to be able to rule over those sinful tendencies? Confession, death to self, repentance, a new heart, a new mind, a new life. To be born anew. That's what he needed. That's what's being offered to him. And then when we have that, we are able to rule over Satan's attempt to desire to get us to fall. Satan is constantly trying to stir up in us that carnal nature. That's why we have to die daily. Even moment by moment, decision by decision. At every thought, every attempt, every this choice that we make. We have a choice to do what's right or a choice to do what's wrong. In everything we do. Riding down the road, how we treat the other people on the road. In a conversation, we're going to manipulate the conversation and take it over and, and, and make it all about ourselves. Everything comes down to where's our heart, where's our motive. And our prayers. Our prayers all about me. <laughs> and prayers all about self. We pray in God's prayers. And so constantly throughout our day, Satan is constantly desiring to draw us to himself and to destroy us. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can and we should and we will rule over it through God's grace and through God's power. So right here, all the way from Genesis chapter 4, all the way to the very end, to Revelation, overcome, 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 to him that overcometh, he shall inherit, to him that overcometh, he shall receive a new name, to him that overcometh, right? It's all about overcoming by God's grace, by being transformed, by being changed. That's the power of the gospel. It's more than just believing in some historical figure of 2,000 years ago. But it's a belief that changes us. It's a belief that transforms us. Because the carnal nature is removed, taken by him, taken by the Messiah, and killed. Removed from us. And then he sends his spirit into us, making us new. Giving us his power. The very power. Recreating us in his image. Recreating us back to the divine image Back to that in God's image that he originally gave to Adam and Eve in which they gave up. We can have it again when we're born again on a continual basis. Accepting his power, his victory. That's a powerful, that's a wonderful promise for each one of us. You shall rule over. So whatever you're being tempted with now, whatever the, the, the Satan's desire for you is, Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're struggling with, whatever today, tomorrow, to your life, God will give you the power to rule over it, to be victorious over it, as we grab a hold of his arm, of his strength, of his power, of his might, ruling in us and through us. That's what he's wanting. That's the power of the gospel. That's the power of God. So much more than just being forgiven, but it's also transformed. That's the power of God. It's no big deal for God to part seas and you know, do all those kinds of things. That's easy for God. But to change a heart, that is a real miracle. Because we get to have the final say in that. The waters can't resist God. But he's given us the privilege to say, no, I don't want it, or I do want it. And so he's coming to Cain, and he's offering to Cain. It's wonderful power to rule over the carnal nature, to have it removed, to rule over your destiny, to rule over your choices, to follow God and walk in his way.
And what does Cain decide? Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. So why did Cain kill Abel? He blamed him? Resentment? Because he was carnal! Exactly, that's why. That's why he killed him, because that's the natural thing to do. That's the normal thing to do when we're in our carnal nature, is to kill other people. Right? Whether to kill their reputation, or to kill their conversation, or to kill their idea in the board meeting, or whatever it is, right? It's to kill them, right? So that's the natural progression. We do things our way, we get angry at those who don't do it, who are doing the right, right? Because the Bible does say that he killed him because his deed, Abel's deeds were righteous and his deeds were evil. But the basic bottom line was, again, it's carnal nature. So we get jealous, we get angry. And then the natural thing to do is act out that anger. And whether that's, again, on the person that we're angry with or someone else, manifested somewhere else, but eventually it gets manifested. Anger inside, if it's not given over to God, surrendered, cleansed, crucified with the Messiah, then it will manifest itself somewhere. And so that's why he kills his brother, because that's the natural next step. After anger, is a manifestation of the anger. And that's what he does. And that's why God tries to stop him beforehand. And God tries to stop us as well. He sends his Holy Spirit, sends circumstances, situations, messages to us to draw us, to try and wake us up, to keep us, to deliver us to draw us back to himself and to give us victory. Verse 9, still in Genesis chapter 4, The Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? He's got to ask him, Where's your brother? Calling out to him. Drawing him. And of course, God knows where Abel is and Cain knows where Abel is. Abel is. But Cain says, I do not know. So he lies to God. Why did he lie to God? Because he's carnal. Very good. All right. Quick, quick class. All right. Very good. Because he's carnal. That's right. And that's the natural thing for us to do in our carnal nature, right? When we're caught in the wrong, we lie about it, right? right? So that's the natural thing to lie, right? Satan's the father of lies, and we are his children until we're born again, and so we copy in that same pattern uh, of lying. Exactly, that's why he lied, because that's the natural thing to do. And he's still, at every point, refusing to offer the right sacrifice, refusing to confess, to repent, to accept the Messiah's death in his place, the Lamb's death in his place. That's the bottom line. Verse 10, God said to him, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now it's interesting that of all the analogies God could have used, that he says your brother's blood cries out to me from the the ground. Because said your brother's voice, your brother's bones, whatever, your brother's body, you know, whatever. Uh, I can see your brother die there and, you know. But he says your brother's blood. Might be a, a veiled... Uh, hint from God to Cain that the issue is 
he needs a blood sacrifice. Because Abel is symbolic of the Messiah to come, who would shed his blood innocently for offering the right sacrifice. For offering himself as our sacrifice, he shed his blood. And his blood stands before the Father in our behalf right now. It's a continual atonement for us and upon us. And so God brings that out here, blood. And then verse 11, Now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. And when you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond shall you be on the earth. So again, he mentions blood twice. He brings this out. The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me, and your brother's blood uh, um, received from your hand. So again, mentioning twice blood. Again, I think the issue was blood. He was not willing to offer a blood sacrifice. He did not want to die to self and have a living God die in his place. Verse 13, Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen if anyone finds me, he will kill me. So God is very merciful. God had every right to kill him on the spot. He who sins shall die. So justly, God could have killed him right from the start, offering the wrong sacrifice. Uh, certainly after he kills Abel, punishment for murder is death. God would have every right to execute him on the spot there. But God in his mercy allows him to live on as a vagabond. But even that's too much for Cain. Oh, I can't take it. Poor me. Beyond what I can, it's greater than I can bear. Someone might kill me. Wasn't concerned about somebody killing his brother. <laughs> but someone killing him, oh, that's a whole other matter. I don't want to die. These bullies are such wimps. They really are. When they come in contact with someone stronger than them, they just collapse. Oh, he's tough with Abel. But with someone who might kill me, oh no, poor me. Protect me. Help me. Not willing to die. He's fearful. And why is he fearful and why is he crying like this? Because of his carnal nature. That's right, which brings about pride and, and all these other issues, right? Yes, this is carnal nature. And that's in our carnal nature. Oh, poor me, I'm a victim, victim, victim. Oh, oh. You know, uh, carnal nature. Unfair, unfair, unfair. I can't handle it. I can't handle it. I can't do this. Right? Worry, anxiety, lack of faith. It's all carnal nature. That's the bottom line for us all. And the root and the way to get rid of the sin and the sin problem and all the effects of the sins is to get rid of the carnal nature. And to be born anew. Death to self. And all things become new. New heart, new mind, new desires, new life. So instead of dealing with everything one thing at a time, one thing at a time, right? That's what we try and do. We work our way to heaven by overcome, I just need to overcome this one thing, and then this other one thing. And then, no. Let the carnal nature die. Day by day, moment by moment, decision by decision. Not my will, your will. Be done. 
Verse 15, the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. Wow. Sevenfold punishment on anyone who kills Cain or tries to kill Cain. Sevenfold punishment. Wow. Where was God when Abel was getting killed, right? Why didn't God say to Cain then, oh boy, if you touch Cain's hair, I'm going to bring sevenfold down upon you. He might have given him pause to thought, think before he went and killed him. But why God allow Abel to die and Cain, he's so valuable that someone will have to pay seven times as much for Cain's death. Why sevenfold punishment upon the killer of Cain? Why does he love Cain so much? Why is he showing so much for Cain? Because he's carnal. Who's carnal? Cain's carnal. And God loves us in our carnal nature. If Cain was righteous, so he's okay. <laughs> he's, Abel's righteous, right? So he's secure with God. So he's okay. God's not concerned for his future. God has him in the palms of his hands. His name's already written on the door. His name's already written on God's palms. But Cain, Cain's the lost one. Cain's the lost sheep that I gotta go find. And so God keeps on coming after Cain and coming after Cain and coming after Cain and doing everything he can to protect Cain so that Cain won't die until he has every opportunity to accept the Lord. Oh, what love. The Father has for us. He loves the sinner and reaches out more so to the sinner. His deep abiding love that doesn't want any should perish, but is long suffering so that all can come to know his truth. And so, how does Cain respond to this wonderful demonstration of love? Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. We ended last week's sermon at that last slide, and so now we go to the verse 16. Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. How sad. He turns his back on God again. And why does he do that? Why did he go out from the presence of the Lord after that wonderful promise and that wonderful appeal? His carnal nature, that's right. His carnal nature, and that's what we do, right? As soon as Adam and Eve sinned and took on the carnal nature, what did they do? Ran from God, hid from God. And so that's the natural, normal thing for us to resist God. It's not normal to want to read the Bible. It's not normal or natural to want to pray. It's not normal or natural to want to sit in a service and hear the word of God. That's not normal. It's not normal to want to praise God. That's not normal. Right? So none of you are normal. <laughs> right? <laughs> in our carnal nature, right? in our natural state that we're born with, that's not normal. That's why we need to be born anew. And then when we're born anew, we love all these things. And the old things have passed away. And the things that we once loved, we no longer love. And the things that we once hated, we now love. Right? In our carnal nature, we hate God. What? In our normal mind, the natural mind, the carnal mind is enmity against God. It hates God. That's natural. That's normal in our, what we're born. 
But then when we're born again, God takes away that enmity and gives us love for him. And why do we love him? He first loved us and comes after us, goes in seeking to save the lost, left heaven to come and seek and to save the lost. And so he comes after Cain, and he's constantly coming after Cain and coming and coming and coming. And Cain keeps resisting and resisting and resisting. He can't take it anymore, and so he runs from the presence of the Lord. God says, I'm going to protect you. If anyone tries to kill you, I'll come on them sevenfold. Yes, you have to be a vagabond, but still I'm going to be with you because I'm going to be watching, obviously, if someone tries to kill you, I'm going to punish them. But he still leaves the presence of the Lord. Runs from that. It's a cry out in the last day and the Lord's coming. Hide us, hide us from the face of the Lamb. From the wrath of the Lamb. You ever seen an angry lamb? Hide us from the angry lamb, the wrath of the lamb. It's God's love that they can't stand. Because in our natural, carnal nature, we resist God's love. And that's what he's doing. He's running away from God's love. He's running away from God's offers. One offer after another. And he's running and running and running. And that's, again, normal. That's what we see in society today. Anyways, we try and share the gospel with others. They're resistant to it. They'll try and run away in some way, shape, or form. But God continues to come after them and come after them and come after them. So don't take it personally. They're not rejecting you. They're just doing what's normal. They're doing what's natural, resisting God. But God's not done with them yet. And so he runs from the presence of God. Now, God never leaves us nor forsakes us. God's not running from him. He's running from God. And so if you feel distant from God, if you feel separated from God, guess who moved? It wasn't God. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is pouring out his mercy. God is drawing us with his love. I be lifted up. I will draw all men unto myself. A majority will resist that drawing, but he will draw all. So when we're separated from God, because we moved from his presence. We separate ourselves through choices, through sin, through holding on to the carnal nature that's constantly trying to rear its head back in us again. And we continue to surrender, continue to die, continue to lay low before the Lord. And he will give us victory, and we should shall over we shall rule over it. And then we'll run to God falling at his feet, accepting his mercy and his love and his forgiveness and his embrace and his power. And we'll hear his voice saying our name. This is my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. And so the Cain runs from the presence of the Lord, but the story doesn't end there. Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod, on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. And so we looked in one of the previous sermons at uh, Genesis chapter 5. It mentions that Adam lived so many years and had sons and daughters, right? So 
There were lots of sons and daughters by this point. There were lots of people on the earth by this point. And so Cain has a wife, and he goes out from the presence of the Lord. You have enough people to build a city. He calls it after Enoch, which is interesting because there's another Enoch in the Bible. There's a different Enoch than this Enoch. And so he has a child, has a wife, has a city. Verse 18, and to Enoch was born Arad, and Arad begot Methusael, and Methusael begot Methusael, and Methusael begot Lamech. And Lamech is a name in the Bible, different Lamech. There's two different Lamechs, one from the lineage of Seth and one from the lineage of Cain. Some overlapping in the names, but different people. So several generations, God has blessed him. He's held to his promise that Cain wouldn't be killed. And God gives him several generations of life, blessing him, children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren. And to Lemech, Lemech took for himself two wives. The name of the one was Ara, and the name of the second was Zillah. And Adab bore Jabel, and he was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. And his brother's name was Jubal, and he was the father of all those who play the harp and flute. And Zillah bore Tubal Cain, an instructor of craftsmen in bronze and iron. Wow. So talented and prosperous and blessed, rich. Influential, sounds a lot like today. The children of Cain, why are the wicked prosper? Why are they so rich? Right, look at this. The father of the sons of all those who dwell in tents and have livestock. Who was the original one who was raising livestock? Abel. Abel got killed and they took his job. <laughs> so, they took his livestock or whatever. He took over the position. And now they're in charge. And Cain's offspring are now the father of all those who dwell in tents and have livestock. So the merchants, the merchandise. And brother, father of all those who play the harp and flute. So Cain's descendants made the harps and the flutes and taught people how to play it. So if you play the harp or the flute, you're playing an instrument that was invented by Cain's children. <laughs> so it's a sinful instrument, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right? David played the harp, right? So. But it's interesting. The way back then. So Hollywood, the music industry, who rules over those? The children of God or the children of men? Children of men. Children of the devil, for the most part, right? And Zulabor Tubal Cain. So they're still honoring Cain, several generations naming a child after Cain. Cain might still even be alive at this point, who knows? Tubal Cain, an instructor of craftsmen in bronze and iron. Wow, so that's the bronze and iron age right there in Genesis chapter 4. <laughs> they're making bronze, making iron, and they're teaching them, they're teaching the craftsmen how to mold these things and make metal iron, metal instruments from these things. Not caping, you know, like your clubs. No, they were talented, music, harps, bronze, iron, crafts. Maybe idols, whatever they were making with it, right? Instructor of them, and craftsmen. But again, they're prosperous. 
of prospering them. Why are they being so prosperous? Isn't this the wicked line? Why are they prospering so much? God loves them. Very good, John. John, God loves them. That's right. God loves them. And God will do anything to try and get our attention, whether through calamities or blessings, to try and draw us unto himself. Verse 23, and Lamech said to his wives, Adelah and Zillah, hear my voice. Wives of Lamech, listen to my speech. For I have killed a man for wounding me, even a young man for hurting me. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventy-sevenfold. Wow. So he's hearkening back to the story. So that story has passed down. For all these years, so Genesis chapter 4 is still living on in this family line. That God said he would protect Cain, that sevenfold punishment on anyone who tries to hurt Cain. But instead of appreciating that and seeing that as God's mercy, instead of thanking God for his, his uh, mercy in, in punishing him but not executing him, instead of uh, appreciating God and thanking God for all the blessings of the talents and the the abilities that God had given them, the ability to have. Instead, he comes out defiantly. And he kills a man. Now, it might be self-defense, you can say. The guy did wound him. It seems like didn't probably need to kill him back. Kill him. Young man wounded me. I kill him. And he's saying it defiantly. And I'm going to be avenged 77-fold. Who's going to avenge him 77-fold? Did God say that he's going to avenge him 77-fold? No. So he's going to avenge himself. If anyone tries to hurt me, I'm going to come down harder on them. This guy wounded me. I killed him. I came down 77 times harder on him than he came down on me or tried to come down on me. I'm going to avenge myself. Cain was bad. I'm badder. You ain't seen nothing yet. And then that's where the story for Cain ends. It mentions all these different people, all this different lineage. Why doesn't it mention Lemek's grandchildren? It mentions three of his children, one who dwells in tents and livestock, and the one who teaches people to play the flute and Harp and one teaches people with crab, with metal, bronze, and iron. It mentions them. Why doesn't it mention their children? Chapter six. And the flood came and took them all away. So judgment does come. <laughs> There is both in 77-fold on anyone who threatens me. God says, well, I got a bigger finger than you. <laughs> he just takes him away with the flood. God's mercy endures. But judgment will eventually come. He's merciful, long-suffering, abundant in goodness, but while in no wise clear the guilty. The judgment day will come. And judgment day will come when those who are controlling and manipulating the world from their carnal hearts today 
manipulating mines and prices and metals and instruments of warfare and control and killing and wounding and boastful and denial and resistant to God and killing the children of God. Judgment Day will come. And whether we see it in this earth or not, until the last day, it will come. The eternal judgment will come. The fire is no longer a flood. Next time fire will come and will destroy the wicked. They will reign for a while, but God sees it all, records it all in the sanctuary of heaven, and judgment day will come. God's been very long-suffering. We see it here, very long-suffering with Cain himself, very long-suffering with his family, prospering them, blessing them, giving them a city and children and grandchildren. And Because it's God who gives life and God who gives abilities and God who gives talents. God gave it all to them. They spurned it rejected him as the giver of life. And God eventually ended it for them. And God will eventually end it for this, this world who refuse his love, who choose to stay within their carnal nature. And God will reward his saints, the ables of this earth, martyrs down through the ages, Precious in his sight. Blessed are those who die in the Lord. Their reward in heaven. God will take care of us. And he'll heal our wounds. And so, as we prepare to pray tonight, we look at this story and think of it for ourselves and we think also about Adam and Eve. Now they lost Abel. That must have been heartbreaking to find him there. Blood on the ground, dead, listless body, their child. And then knowing it was Cain who did it, how horrible. And then losing Cain also. And that might have been even harder loss. And the death of a child is such a hard grief. Some say it's harder than any other grief. Because it's so unnatural. They're not supposed to die before us. We're supposed to outlive them. We're older than them. It's so grievous. What do we have? What do we call someone who's, whose spouse, uh, whose husband dies? What do we call? Widow. What do we call someone whose wife dies? Widower. Widower. What do we call someone whose parents die when they're young, especially? Orphans. What do we call someone whose children die? We don't have a term for it. It's so grievous, we can't even put a term to it. It's so unspeakable, we can't even put a term to it. And so Adam and Eve, they lost Abel. But at least they knew he loved the Lord. At least they had the promise of everlasting life. At least they had the promise of the resurrection on the last day. They'd see him again. But Cain, he left the presence of the Lord and continued to run from the Lord. And so the grief they had for him, the loss of him, the eternal loss for him, must have been heartbreaking. And so, as we prepare to pray, if you're grieving 
a loss, grieving the loss of a loved one, like Adam and Eve, whether the loss of an Abel or the loss of a Cain, whether the loss through death or loss through them being away from the Lord and your concern for them. Take comfort that the Lord will continue to draw them with his everlasting love, continue to reach out to them. Let God heal the pain in your heart and give you hope. God loves them more than you love them, and so if they've gone from the presence of the Lord, if you know someone who's gone from the presence of the Lord, turn them over to God. Continue in prayer, continue to pray for them, continue to pray for opportunities and circumstances where you can share God's love with them or others can share God's love with them, that God blesses them with prosperity or, or calamities or whatever it takes, whatever God knows is best to, to lead them to him, and for them to be turned over to the devil that their soul might be saved, whatever it takes, God knows what's best. I know that God loves them with an everlasting love. And as long as there's life, he hasn't given up on them and he's drawing them. And so in a moment of you know, if, someone, if someone's coming to your mind, some Cain in your life, in a moment when we pray, ask God to continue his work in their behalf. And as we pray, it gives God more authority, and more power, and more ability to send more angels and more circumstances and more people. In a moment when we pray, I'm going to flip those that you know. So if you're grieving, give that over to the Lord. If you know someone who's lost, give them over to the Lord. Third, if you're sensing the carnal nature is ruling over you, there's some area where the carnal nature is still alive. Maybe just one area. Maybe just one thing. Maybe just one section. Surrender it to the Lord. Maybe just one choice, one thought pattern, one motive, one habit. Surrender it to the Lord. Give it over to him. You shall rule over it through the power of the Holy Spirit. God will give you the victory as you surrender your life to him. When ask him to be your helper, oh, don't pray, God, help me. You don't need a helper, you need a, a Lord. <laughs> you need a pro, not an assistant. You need God to step in and God to do it for you and through you. Let self be crucified, you dead. You don't need a helper to help you, you need to be dead. God to come in and give you victory. So is there an area that God's revealing to your heart and mind, some sin on your record? In the moment we pray, you can surrender that to him and accept his power and his grace to give you victory in that area. And fourth, we can praise God. You want to praise God for his deliverance, for the new nature. That Yeshua came, that Yeshua died for us, that Yeshua took our carnal nature upon himself, that he killed it and he buried it in the tomb and removed it far from us as east from the, the west down to the depths of the sea. And he's given us new life. New minds, new hearts, new desires, all things made new. And so whatever area it applies to you or maybe some other area God's speaking to your heart and mind about, let God take away whatever it is, anger, wrath, jealousy, Murder, physically or verbally, or financially, whatever you've done to anyone, surrender it all. Accept God's peace, forgiveness, and transformation. Let us pray.
Our Lord and our God, ruler of the universe, we do praise you. Thank you for your conviction. Thank you for the gift of repentance. Thank you for speaking to our hearts and minds. Thank you for knowing us and revealing ourselves to, to us. Bring conviction upon us. Show us where we err. Show us where anywhere that the carnal nature is still alive. Thank you for giving us choice. We choose to surrender it to you. We choose to accept our death. Thank you, Yeshua, for dying in our place as that substitute, as that lamb. Come and live in us and out of us. Fill us with your spirit. Give us power to rule over it through your strength, through your arm, through your spirit, through your grace. Live in us and out of us. Use us in drawing other people to you. Use us in being the answer to prayer to other people who are praying for their loved one. Maybe live far away and they're praying for their loved one who's your neighbor. Lord, use us as that answer to prayer. Use us in helping to show your love to others. And minister to our loved ones who don't know you. Draw them with your love and send people and angels to them to wake them up before it's too late. We praise your name, Lord. There is an eternal judgment day that wickedness will not continue forever. That the abusers in this world will not get away with it forever. But that an end will come and justice will reign. In Yeshua's holy name. Amen.